I invite you to turn over in your bulletin to page three. You'll see our, our scripture reading, as well as the outline of our message. Or if you have your Bible, you can open up to Numbers chapter six. Numbers chapter six. We've been studying the book of Numbers, God's ministry to his people in the wilderness. That's where literally Old Testament Israel is. They've been rescued out of Egypt, but they're not yet in the promised land. They're in this messy, uh, difficult wilderness in between, and we're seeing uh, how God cares and encourages and challenges uh, people in the wilderness, which is us, right? As God's people, we've been rescued out of slavery from sin, but we're not yet in the promised land of heaven uh, God's work in the wilderness, and, and this week, picking up with chapter 6, verses 22 to 27, as we think about God's blessing in the wilderness. So let's, let's first go ahead and, and read God's word. Number 6, beginning at verse 22. The Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Speak to Aaron and his sons, saying, Thus you shall bless the people of Israel. You shall say to them, The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. So they shall put my name upon the people of Israel, and I will bless them. Let's pray. Father, do this very hour... This, these very next minutes, bless your people through your word. We look to you uh, for insight, uh, for strength, for understanding, for your grace. And we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. <coughs> what does it look like to be blessed in the wilderness? Right in the midst of the, the mess, the difficulty, not heavenness kind of bearing down upon us, blessing there. How much blessing is there in the wilderness for God's people? Do, do, you, do you feel blessed here in the wilderness? Is it possible that we're actually far more blessed than we even realize? Is it possible that we're actually so blessed uh, that, that, that we can have a, a confidence and a, and a strength in the wilderness that even though we don't know what tomorrow brings, even though it very well might bring hard things, that we can not be afraid. We can be confident of God's care and love. Blessing in the wilderness. Uh, well, believer in Christ, this, this is for you. This is what God gives to his people. As we'll see, it's, it's free, it's unearned, it's this is what God gives. And so if you know Christ, you're trusting in him, just, just drink this in and take this personally. Yeah, me, you can say to yourself. This is what God has for me. Uh, if you don't know Christ or you're still kind of wrestling with, am I following Christ? Am I trusting in him for my salvation? What does that mean? Uh, be encouraged. This is what God holds out to all who put their faith in Christ. All who turn from their sin and trust in Jesus, uh, this, is, this is the blessing that God gives freely. So this is what he offers, uh, holds out, but it's only in Christ, as we'll, as we'll see. So we're going to break down the blessing under these four headings. 
I talk about the statement of blessing, the source of blessing, the substance uh, of the blessing, and the security of the blessing. So I'll take the one S at a time. Uh, so first, first the statement, uh, and, and here it's just trying to understand what exactly this is. Uh, perhaps you've heard these words uh, before, the Lord bless you and keep you. Probably where you've heard those words before is not as much in the context of a, a sermon or a Bible study on number six, uh, but more likely at the end of a service where the guy up front raises his hand something like this and says, the Lord bless you and keep you and the Lord, right? That's probably where you're most familiar with it. Maybe you've, you've wondered what in the world is going on there. Maybe wondering what to do. Do I, do I bow my head? Are we praying? Uh, do I, what, 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 what's going on? In, the, in most bulletins, it's listed as the benediction. The benediction. That just means good word. But what is a benediction in the midst of a service from the Lord? Well, it's God pronouncing his blessing upon his people. Uh, and it's that, it's that language of pronouncement, of, of statement, that's really the key to, to understanding here. That what that is and what we have here, which is really the, the key old covenant blessing. This is what Aaron and his sons would do with raised hands before the people of Israel. Pronounce these words. That it's a pronouncement, it's not a prayer. Right? It's a pronouncement, not a prayer. Um, it's not, Lord, would you please give these things? We're asking you. Lord, The Lord is saying, I am giving these things. Right? Pronouncement, not prayer. You even see that baked into the language here. So verse 22, the Lord said, uh, spoke to Moses, saying, Speak to Aaron and his sons, saying, Thus you shall bless the people of Israel. Right? He's saying, you're going you're gonna to do this. And it's specifically Aaron and his sons. They're the priests. So not just any old Israelite. Um, someone sneezes, bless you. Uh, no, 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 this is, this is the, the, the sons of Aaron, the priests, so they represent God, and they speak God's word to the people. Not any word, what God says. Uh, and, and he says, this, you will bless them. And he says that same thing at the end, verse 27, I will bless them. So what we have here is, is a pronouncement, it's not a prayer. Uh, or we could put it this way, the direction of this blessing is not Upward, it's downward, right? So it's not us looking up to God. Please, God, please bless us. Please bless us. Uh, not wrong to play, pray that way, but that's not what this is. It's not upward. It's downward. It's God speaking to us. Uh, not, not, it's a pronouncement. It's not a prayer. The, what we're about to go through is not our wish list that we're presenting before the divine Santa Claus. Please give us these things on our wish list. Uh, this is God saying, here's what I'm giving. Here's what I have given. Here's what I'm giving. And that's, that's part of the reason with the, kind of the raised hands, you know, the guy at the front of the room. That also comes from Aaron, by the way. Uh, you go to Leviticus 9, and you see that blessings like this one but by the priests in the Old Covenant, they did it with hands raised. Uh, the idea there is that's how you did a blessing in the ancient world. Uh, if it was one-on-one, -on -one, uh, say the book of Genesis, there's... Jacob blessing his grandsons, and Jacob had the, the twin grandsons, or the two grandsons, and he puts his hand on either, each of their heads. Right? That's how you bless someone. You put your hands on their heads. The idea of pronouncing, conferring, like, you know, 
So, so for uh, someone to do it to a whole group, uh, you can't put your hands on everybody's head at the same time. The idea of raised hands, it's kind of that symbol of putting your hands on their head. Um, again, if you're wondering what it looks like for someone to receive a blessing, no, you don't need to bow your head as if we're praying because we're actually not praying. So it's perfectly legitimate, probably even better, to, to look up, eyes open. Uh, some even like to, uh, like in the midst of the, 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 the benediction, to have their hands open like this. You don't have to do that. But it's certainly appropriate for the idea of, like, I'm receiving something, right? So not this, I'm asking God, it's, I'm, I'm receiving. Um, okay, receiving from who? That's the next point. So we got a pronouncement, not a prayer, uh, and we need to make sure we are, we're really getting this source of blessing, this source of blessing. The blessing itself, verses 24 to 26, very, very short. In Hebrew, it's even short. It's 15 words in Hebrew, uh, which really makes the repetition stand out. Of those 15 words, uh, three of them are the same, and they don't need to be. Uh, that's the Lord. It's repeated three times. The Lord, the Lord, the Lord. Now, grammatically, you don't need that. You could just state it once at the beginning, and the subject would be assumed uh, grammatically. Uh, so the, the repetition is intentional. It's done on purpose. And you might know, in Old Testament Hebrew, repetition means emphasis. This is, this is how you highlight, put something in bold, underline it. You repeat it. Uh, so God is not holy. He is holy, 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 say the angels. Right? So the one who blesses, it's not the Lord. It's the Lord. The Lord, the Lord. It's, it's highlighting who it is, where this is from. Uh, we, should, we should note as, we, as, you, as you look there at the, at the text that Lord is all in caps, right? Capital L, capital O, capital R, capital D, which is the, the translator's way of saying that the, the word behind this is Yahweh. So not the generic word for God, Right? Could be a god of, you know, of Moab or a god of Babylon. It's not the generic word God, but very specifically the divine name Yahweh that God gives to Moses. Uh, the, the, the God who made heaven and earth. The God who had just redeemed his people out of Israel. Right? It's not any old God. It's, it's this God. It's the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Uh, your God. Uh, and he is the one who blesses his people. And it's emphasized three times. The Lord, the Lord, the Lord. Why? Why, why put so much emphasis on that? Um, I, I, I think one commentator was onto something. Uh, this, is, this is Ian Duguid, a professor and, and commentator. He writes on this passage, uh, the likely answer, why, why it is that God would really stress this source of blessing. He says, surely it's because of our natural tendency to look for blessing in all the wrong places. Right? Isn't that us? It certainly is Israel, as we'll go on to see, and you keep reading your Bible and you see, that this very God, uh, who is the source of true blessing, and they're so quick to run everywhere else. Run to the gods of the nations, as if, as if Baal could, could bring true blessing. As if Marduk could bring peace. Uh, as if Asherah could bring safety and rest and keeping. 
And they, and they run to all these gods and they bow down and look to, to blessing in all the wrong places. We do the same thing. Now, we got to be a little bit more intentional to really discover what that looks like sometimes. Uh, because typically, uh, the, the, the gods that we run to uh, are not little statues. You know, we don't typically uh, go to Marduk, uh, please, you know, bow down, bless. Uh, that's, that's typically not what we do. But still, we do the same thing. Run to false gods, run to created things for the source of true blessing. Uh, here's what's really going to bless me. Here's what's going to give me peace. Here's what's going to be that, that keeping uh, in, in my life. And we look to, we look to other things. It's just part of our sinful nature. And, and um, again, uh, Pro- Professor Dugood is helpful because he gives this little diagnostic tool of here's what you might be tempted with. Right? If you want to start to see what you might be tempted to look to uh, as the source of blessing instead of the Lord, the Lord, the Lord, he says, here's what you do. Follow your strongest desires. Follow your strongest desires, like kind of tracing smoke and you might see fire. He says, follow your strongest desires. What is it that makes you the most excited? What is it that makes you the most mad, frustrated, fearful? Now, it doesn't mean that those things are bad in and of themselves. They're probably not. Uh, But... Uh, nor does it mean that that strength of emotion is bad. Passion is good. Um, but what that, that high emotion, either really excited or really mad, what that highlights is kind of the, the, the bent of your heart and probably the very thing that you're most tempted to think, this is what's going to bless me. Right? So you have, the, you have the guy at the office who struggling through his job, but every lunch break, he's on the internet uh, clicking on, on that, that vacation that he's got planned. He's researching it. He's, you know, he's planning things out. And he, it's already been booked, but he's looking at the pictures again, and he's counting down the days. And he, you, right? Clearly, he's excited. Vacation? Bad thing? No. But that's probably probably in his mind and his heart where he's tempted to think, I can make it through the next couple weeks, the next couple months because of this. This is what will bless. This is what will give me peace. Probably that's where he's tempted. Um, maybe you think of the, think of the mom and, and the kids can be bickering and fighting with each other and no problem, everything's good. Uh, but then as, as soon as a big mess gets made and doesn't get cleaned up, Mom gets really angry. Is it wrong to want a clean, orderly house? Not at all. Those are good things. Uh, But that height of emotion points you to probably where that individual is likely to look to for ultimate peace. What's going to give me peace, what's going to give me blessing, and and keep me is, is everything tidy around me. And I'm not sure I can live without it. That's all of us. Again, you want to be really convicted? You, you run this through your head later on. What is it that you're most excited about? What is it that gets you the most upset? Probably that's the very thing you're tempted to say, 
this is going to bless me and keep me. This is, this is what's going to shine light on me. This is what's going to give me peace. And, and not only is, is it not the Lord, it, it, it won't work. It can't deliver. Right? So even if it's a good thing, like, a, like, a, like rest, a vacation, or, or, or like an orderly home, those are good things, but it can't deliver on this kind of blessing. But God can. So God emphasizes blessing from the Lord, peace, keep it, the Lord, the Lord, the Lord. And, and we won't know it if we're running somewhere else. So let's go to the substance of the blessing. Let's look at the, the meat of what God says, verses 24 to 26. Uh, you, you can see the structure. It's, it's three lines in parallel. Uh, they get progressively longer. Uh, in each case, starts with the Lord and has two parts. Uh, let's just run through them one at a time. So the first line, the Lord bless you and keep you. Right? So the Lord draws near to bless his people. And specifically in this way, uh, bless you and keep you. Keep you in the sense of guard, protect. Um, we, we read and sang Psalm 121 this morning, which is essentially this blessing from the Lord, and, and let's, let's expand that. Let's expound what that means, and that's Psalm 121. Right? Here's what it means for the Lord to bless and keep you. He will not let your foot be moved. He who keeps you will not slumber. Behold, he who keeps Israel will neither slumber nor sleep. The Lord is your keeper. The Lord is your shade at your right hand. The sun shall not strike you by day, nor the moon by night. The Lord will keep you from all evil. He will keep your life. The Lord will keep your going out and your coming in from this time forth and forevermore. So the one the Lord blesses is the one the Lord keeps. His protection. He, he will keep them. Again, you can make a personal believer. He will keep me. He will keep you. Because he doesn't go to sleep. He's always on guard. He will keep you from, from all the distresses of day and night. Uh, he will keep you from enemies. He will keep you in the midst of all the movements of life, the, the goings out and the comings in. And it will keep on going. He will keep you from this time forth and forevermore. Um, there's this powerful section uh, in the book of Numbers we're going to get to in uh, Probably be a, a bit, but towards the end of the book, this powerful story. Uh, here's this pagan king by the name of Balak. And this pagan king is really worried about Israel, and, he, and he's afraid, wants to, wants to destroy them. And so what he does is he hires a pagan priest to put a curse on Israel as a part of his plan to overtake them. Uh, Balaam is the pagan priest. So, so this pagan king hires this pagan priest, Balaam, curse this people, Israel, God's people. And there's all these multiple attempts and all these sacrifices made. And, and here's the guy who specializes in this kind of thing, Balaam. And you know what he concludes? He says, how can I curse whom God has not cursed? He says, I, I can't do it. I can't, I can't touch him. God is keeping them. I can't touch him. That's, that's what God does for his people. Right? There, there might be all kinds of enemies in this world, spiritual and otherwise, who, who would love to curse. But if you're the Lord's, right, then, then he keeps his people, and, and the enemies can't touch them. 
Now, we know from the rest of Scripture, this doesn't mean that there's never hard things. Now, you guys talked about that last week in Psalm 23. Uh, another keeping, guarding passage. Yeah, but it meant the sheep went down to the valley of the shadow of death. But it wasn't easy. And the Bible is very honest about how there are hard things, difficult things in, in the wilderness. Uh, but the, but the, the good news is that the keeping power of the Lord is that the powers of darkness, the powers, the enemies, they can't really touch God's people. Maybe you could go to the New Testament equivalent of this in Romans 8. For I am sure that neither death nor life, nor angels nor rulers, nor things present nor things to come, nor powers nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ. Yeah, because God keeps his people. All right, we've only gotten one line. We'll go a little quicker. Uh, the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. Lord, make his face to shine. Right, so God compared uh, to light, his, his face uh, shining of course, God doesn't have a physical face, but it's, it's, it's metaphor. Uh, but maybe the best way to understand it and get the, the force of it is to think of the opposite. right? The opposite of God's making his face to shine upon us is God turning his face away. There's, there's the ultimate curse. Blessing in, in, in Old Testament world, it's the opposite of curse. Right? Balaam tries to curse Israel, says, I can't do it because God's got his blessing on them. Right? So the, make his face to shine upon us. You really get the, the grasp of that when you realize the opposite. God turning his face away. Right? That's, that's the ultimate of curse. God hiding his face from his creatures. Um, but but this, is, this is God's blessing. It's God shining his face upon us. Right? His, his favor uh, his his care. Um, have have you have you ever? Can you think of a situation where you've seen two people uh, looking at one another and their their faces are just beaming? You can think of a context. Maybe you you picture a, a bride and groom at the altar and they're they're just staring at each other as if there's no one else in the room and they're just beaming. Uh, or or maybe at the other end of the spectrum. If you've ever been in, in like a nursing home and you've seen people, husband and wife, they've been together for like 60, 70 years and they still look at each other and there's this kind of glow to their faces. Uh, or maybe two really close friends, uh, two sisters sharing a, 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 a moment as adults in their faces and there's just this, this light to it, right? That's just this pale picture of what God says his blessing is here. Uh, God, the light his face, uh, light beaming at us. Right? There's, this is what blessing is. It's not just a few abstract, nice things, a goodie basket from God. No, it's, it's himself. He is the ultimate blessing. Uh, the Lord making his face to shine upon us. Right? It, just like in, that, in those moments where you see a, a couple or two people, their faces are beaming, what's the blessing in that moment? It, it, it's one another. Right? And here's the ultimate blessing from God. It's him. And the light of his, his face and the, the favor that we're told is connected to grace. Right, Lord, be gracious to you. So we're getting hints of maybe this isn't something we earn. More on that in a minute. Line three. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. Uh, countenance is just another word for face. 
right? So the Lord lift up his countenance, lift up his face upon us. Here the idea is, uh, is uh, attention, right? The Lord, right, to, to, to lift up your face is to give, give someone attention. Uh, we've all probably had that experience where we're talking to someone and we're, we're talking about something really important, but the other person is not really paying attention. Maybe it's literally their face isn't looking at you. Maybe they're glancing down at their phone. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah, right. And and how that kind of right. He, he, here is here is the God of the universe, uh, and the blessing He gives to His people is He lifts up His countenance upon His people, right? In 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 blessed attention and care and love and concern. Uh, lifts up his countenance to give attention in order to give peace. Peace. This is kind of the climactic word uh, of what God's blessing is wrapped up in, peace. It's the Hebrew word shalom. It's more than just stop fighting. That's part of it. We pray in Europe there would be a stopping of fighting. Uh, But we know if people stopped fighting this morning, there's still going to be a lot wrong over there. Right? And, of course, that's the same with our world. Uh, but here, this, this peace that God gives, this shalom, is more than just, okay, we're not fighting actively anymore. But it's a, the, it's a wholeness. It's complete transformation. Uh, peace within, peace ultimately with God, our creator. But we know God's plan is to transform the whole world uh, into, into this peace, wholeness, uh, that God promises to give. Um, this is what he gives to his to his people. Peace. It's the it's the kind of climactic word. And then we get this little explanation in verse twenty seven of, of what's going on here with, with this blessing. And this is this is helpful commentary and helpful because we don't usually do this at the end of a service. But here's how God explains it to the priests. He says, "So they shall put my name upon the people of Israel, and I will bless them." So here he's explaining what, 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 what's actually going on there. God is putting his name on his people. It's, it's a covenant blessing. Covenant, that idea of God binding himself to a people. Uh, God uh, saying uh, to his own, I will be your God. You will be my people. And, and part of what that brings with it, the blessing that that's it baked into that is, God's people wearing his name. God's seal of of loving ownership. They're his. God's seal of protection. Don't touch them. They're mine. Can you understand why why Balaam can look at this people and say, I can't curse the one God hasn't cursed. I I can't touch Israel. Yeah, because they wear God's name. No way. Any power of heaven or earth is going to be able to to, to touch and ultimately conquer and destroy and overtake the one who wears the name of the Lord God himself. And that's, that's, what's, that's what's going on here uh, in this, implied in this blessing, in this blessing, God putting his name upon his people. So you start to take in the substance here, wearing the name of God, <clears throat> God keeping us, uh, God shining the love of his presence on us, the, the smile of his love, so that we have fullness of, of peace. Does that, does that sound good? Sound like something you want? Which, of course, then gets to the question of, like, okay, how do I get that? 
how do I keep that? If I have that today, am I going to have that tomorrow? What if, what if I don't have such a good day in between? Um, so we need to talk about the securing of blessing. Where does this blessing from, come from? How do we get it? How do, how do we hold on to it? Um, and this is, a, this is a pretty big question in the context of Numbers. Uh, numbers picks up right where Leviticus left off. It's, it's all one story. Uh, and if you've ever read through Leviticus, there's this big section right at the end of Leviticus, right where Leviticus is about to start Numbers, big section at the end of Leviticus where God gathers all his people together, and he goes through a list of blessings that he will give to his people if they obey his commands. And then he gives an even longer list of curses that will come upon them if they don't obey his command. So the book of Leviticus basically ends with, okay, Israel, blessings, curses, blessings, curses, will, will, will you obey the Lord? It's a big question. Uh, it is the big question. We've seen this in, in, in numbers, right? Holy God in our midst. Oh, we're not holy. How's this going to work? Um, and really the answer to this is what is the story that all of Scripture tells. It's it un unpacked by all of Scripture. But we get hints of where God is going, even in this blessing from Aaron. So we, we mentioned earlier, verse 25 speaks of God being gracious. That idea of the blessing not being earned. Okay. Okay, um, verse 23, who is it that gives this blessing, right? Not just anyone, it's the sons of Aaron, it's the priests. Do you remember what the priests do in their day job? That they're the ones who offer sacrifices on behalf of the people. The people who are not holy, who, who have not followed God's law, who have broken his covenant, uh, then, well, that breaking of God's law deserves God's judgment, deserves not blessing, but cursing. And so here's this sacrifice that's offered, spotless. Right? So it it's, doesn't deserve any kind of curse. But here's this, uh, this sacrifice that dies in place of the guilty. Right? The animal is killed. The priest brings it, kills it. The idea being this innocent thing dies in place of the guilty. Right? This innocent thing is cursed in place of the one who really deserves the curse. And the priest's job is to offer it. So, so the one who blesses is the one who has just offered this sacrifice. Can you see where we're going? Jesus? The ultimate priest? The ultimate sacrifice? Right? Okay, so think, think Jesus. The ultimate in spotless one, isn't he? The ultimate in individual who lives the perfect life, holy, in all his ways, keeps all of God's commands fully. You might even think of how, how the Father speaks audibly uh, in Jesus' earthly ministry, not once but twice, declaring uh, how pleased he is. Right, This is my beloved Son, with whom I am well pleased. Right, Here's, here's God beaming at his Son. Well pleased. Right, Smile of his countenance. This is my Son. I'm well pleased. Here's the spotless one. But you know where the ministry of Jesus goes? He ends up on the cross. He ends up condemned. Think about the cross for a minute. Think about the cross with that page of, of number six in front of you. Can you see that essentially what the cross is? 
is Jesus getting the opposite of the number six blessing? Can you see it? There's Jesus on the cross. The Father doesn't bless. He curses. The Father doesn't keep him from all evil, but he's handed over to all his enemies. The Father turns the smile of his face away from his son. The Father pays no attention in the sense of help and keep. The Father pulls back peace and, and makes war on sin, wrath for sin. Why? He doesn't deserve it. Yeah, he's taking the curse for us. Which is exactly how Galatians explains it. We have those words in, in front of us we read earlier. Galatians 3 verse 13. Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for us. For it is written, cursed is everyone who's hanged on a tree. So here's, here's Jesus, the great high priest. He offers up the final sacrifice, the ultimate sacrifice himself. Right? The spotless one, Jesus, is cursed upon the cross with those covenant curses that we deserve because we're the ones who have disobeyed God. We're the ones who have run after every other possible place for, for life and blessing and peace. and We deserve the curse, but Christ goes, he takes it for us so that we can be blessed. Jesus dies, and he's raised up. Do you remember the, that first Resurrection Sunday, Easter Sunday night? Uh, Jesus appears before the, the, the group of disciples. Uh, it's the first time he appears to them as a group. You could say this was the this was basically the church of that day, all gathered together in that in that room. The first time he appears to to them together, uh, and both Luke and John record what is the first word out of Jesus' mouth: Jesus, having gone to the cross, bearing the curse. Now he's raised up his first word to his gathered people. You know what it is? Peace. Peace to you. Not, not prayer. Pronouncement. The, the, the priest has just won the blessing. And here it is. He gives it. They don't deserve it. They've just rejected him and run. And you, but he took the curse. And so raised up his first and climactic word picks up exactly where the Aaron benediction leaves off with that climactic blessing word. Peace. And that's his word to us, right? If, you, if, if you're a sinner, but a sinner trusting in Christ, then don't you see what, what Jesus has done? He, he's borne the curse for you. And then raised up, having borne the curse of the law, he's, he's alive now, and his word upon your life uh, is, is not the curse you and I deserve. It's this word of blessing. Peace to you. And, and the whole blessing with it. Not prayer, pronouncement. Here is what God has done. Here is what he's, he has given and will give. Not because you earn it or deserve it, because Christ has won it for you. Right? So you, you then, in, in light of this, right, trusting in Christ, you go back to this numbers blessing and you realize, okay, I didn't earn any of this, but Christ uh, won it for me, and, and this is all me. You can say to yourself. The keeping power of God, yours. 
the, the shining face of God on your life, believer, yours. The, the smiling attention that gives fullness of peace, yours. And you didn't earn it, and you can't lose it, because Jesus won it. And so the call for us is, is to just take it in, to realize we are far more blessed than we realize, uh, to rejoice in it, to rest in it. Uh, and, and that resting in this, of course, means that, that if you see places of your life that just don't fit with that, yeah, you, you, as you're rejoicing and you're resting, you're, you're rearranging. Right? So if, if you catch yourself running to something uh, for peace, thinking that, that this created thing, I, I can make it because of this, this is going to bless me, you, you can stop yourself and say, oh, no, no it won't. And I know the one who really gives peace. I know the one who really keeps, the one who really blesses. So I'm not going to live for that. I'm not going to, I'm not going to make my peace uh, with that, this creative thing. It's going to disappoint me anyway. Uh, I'm going to go to the one uh, who has won the peace for me and take hold of it and walk in those ways and just rest. It's, it's peace in the wilderness. And it's good. So as we, as we leave and, and we pronounce that benediction... Again, trusting in Christ, you can say, this is what I'm receiving. Because what Christ has won, it's mine. Let's pray. Father, we do thank you for the power of your love and the greatness of what you have done in your Son. We do pray that you would encourage uh, each one uh, here today. Lord, that, that the, each believer will be strengthened in their faith, uh, resting more in, in Christ and growing in his ways, and we pray for any who might not might not know Jesus, that they would uh, they would see this this blessing that's only in Him, uh, and and embrace uh, the free offer of the gospel, even salvation in Christ through faith. We pray in His name, Amen. Amen.